0: Hello, sleepless listeners. David Cummings here. Welcome to season 15 of the No Sleep Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us. If you're hearing this, it means you have successfully become a Season Pass 15 member. Our 15th season. How surreal! So surreal, in fact, that we're hoping to make Season 15 the strangest, most dreamlike, trippy nightmare we've ever created. And we're glad you're along for the ride down this strange, lost highway. This is our second full season using the GLOW system. We hope you find it, or continue to find it, an easy to use and robust system. And even though GLOW should be as trouble-free as possible, there may be reasons for you to reach out about support issues for your season pass. There are two ways you can do this. If your problem is related directly to the purchase of your season pass or playing it on an app, you can contact the Glow support team directly at hello at glow.fm. That's hello at glow.fm. They have a great support team, and they'll be able to help you quickly with any technical or payment issues. And if you need to contact us at the podcast, you can always reach us at admin at thenosleeppodcast.com. And as I always say, please don't contact us via social media because we're just not set up to handle support issues that way. Email is the way to go. Now, in this time of isolation and staying inside as much as possible, we present a tale about an unexpected visitor. Do you know that feeling you get when there's a knock at your door? When you're not expecting anyone and the hour is late? How it makes your heart race and your mind scramble. Am I expecting anyone, you ask? Who could it be at this hour? Do I dare even go near my door? Even if the situation is benign, it can still be unsettling. Well, now imagine if your visitor is someone so utterly surreal and bizarre, like the one evoked from the mind of author Rory Say that it leaves you feeling like you'll never be the same again. We can only hope you never have to answer the knocks on your door and encounter the Blinking Man. Who is the Blinking Man? Where does he come from when he comes, and where does he go to when he goes? Are the two places the same place? And does he serve some purpose that has never been made clear, or that I've simply failed to understand? These are the questions I would ask if I were able to ask questions. It wasn't long ago when he first came to me, though I cannot recall an exact date. My memory is like a puzzle that once displayed a complete picture but has since been taken apart. The pieces jumbled, some of them placed upside down. For what it's worth, I do seem to remember the beginning. It began with a knock on my door. Three knocks, to be exact. It was quite late and I was getting ready to go to bed when the abrupt sound startled me. Not being accustomed to company, well, no one but myself had ever been inside my apartment while I lived there. I decided to remain still until I heard the retreating footsteps of my unwanted caller. I found myself moving quietly toward the door. Peering through the spy hole, I saw a face I would soon become all too familiar with its strangeness amplified by the fisheye lens. The knocking continued as I studied the features of my visitor, and seeing no alternative, I opened the door and met the blinking man. Although to say we met might imply that introductions took place, which, of course, they didn't. For a moment, I only stared at him, unable to help myself. He must have been nearly seven feet tall, his stilt-like legs supporting a narrow torso. His arms were disproportionate too, hanging slack almost down to his knees. Though his attire was formal, it seemed absurd in some way, like he was dressed as a parody of someone I didn't recognize. Black double-breasted jacket with red trim and big gold buttons lining each side. Loose black dress pants far too wide for his long legs. A small circular cap resting atop pitch black, slick back hair. And then his face. It was the face of an older man approaching senility. So gaunt it was almost cadaverous. Over his bulbous forehead and pointed cheekbones, the white skin looked taut as though it were wrapped tightly around a skull that was barely too big. His smile was the cold grin of a ticket-taker, and it exposed a collection of skewed brown teeth. Everything about the man was statue-still, save for the constant blinking of his eyes, which were watery and very faintly blue. Hello there. Can I help you? The blinking man blinked. As well as the way he stared, his eyes wide but without surprise, there was something in his fixed smile that unsettled me. It was the kind of smile that would make a child burst into tears. Uh, Well, are are you certain you've got the right address? I I mean, it's just that I wasn't expecting a visitor. I, I didn't order anything, if that's what you're here for. Though I was unable to hold his gaze, he never took his eyes from mine. They glared into me from deep sockets that looked bruised. He did not speak. I was already stepping back into my apartment. Perhaps there's some mistake. It was nice meeting you. I winced as I shut the door and leaned against it. I knew he was still standing there, right there behind me, a mere piece of wood between us. For several long minutes, I kept perfectly still. And when finally I looked back through the spy hole, I was relieved to see no one on the other side. The foregoing is a highly typical example of an encounter with the blinking man. Instances like it repeated themselves sporadically over the following months. Although I have trouble recalling many other specific episodes, this is likely as much to do with the fact that each visit was more or less identical as it is the result of my failing memory. Always the same three knocks would announce his arrival, and once I opened the door to him, he never had anything to say if he were able to say anything at all, nor did he ever make any attempt to enter my home or lead me elsewhere. He only smiled and stared, and blinked. After the blinking man's initial visits, I confronted my landlord, who also lived in the building, and asked if a new tenant had recently moved in. A key was required to open the front door of the building, and so I thought the blinking man might now be living here, or had acquired a key in some other way. My landlord said no, no new tenants had moved in for some time, and why did I ask? I didn't know what to say exactly, not wanting to sound paranoid. My landlord only sucked on his cigarette and gave me that sour look of his. Meanwhile, the blinking man continued to visit me. If I tried to ignore the knocking on my door, he would wait a moment, then knock again, and continue doing so until I relented. If I opened the door and immediately closed it again without looking at him, he would commence knocking. But if I opened it and acknowledged him in some way, said hello, or simply met his eyes, he would go away the next time I closed the door. Sometimes, after closing the door on the blinking man, I would immediately open it again to try to see him leave. When I did this, he would either still be standing there exactly as before, or he would be gone... I never seemed able to witness him walking down the length of the hallway and exiting the building. If I looked through the spy hole just after closing the door, I would see him still standing there. But if I then quickly opened the door again, he'd have vanished. Naturally, the implications of this horrified me, and afterwards I wished I had not conducted this kind of experiment. I also recall instances of physical interaction— It occurred to me that when I opened the door to the blinking man, I was effectively trapped inside my apartment, given that his tall frame took up the entire doorway. All I had to do to get him to go away, though, was shut my door, wait a moment, and then open it again. Still, at some points, and I cannot say why, I tried to push past him, but couldn't. His body, planted to the floor, felt harder than stone. Next, I grabbed him by the lapels of his jacket and I tried to wrench him out of the way, but he would not move, and it seemed as though his clothes were stuck to his body or were a part of his body. Appalled, I slammed the door to make an end of it. At some point, I decided I needed to move out of my apartment, although I was loath to leave it. It was an ordinary place, but it suited my modest needs, and I had lived there my entire adult life. Yet, it no longer seemed wholly mine. The space had been contaminated, invaded... I felt constantly watched, even in my own privacy, and always I lived in dreaded expectation of the blinking man's next visit. So, I found rooms on the other side of town, much like my old rooms, and lived undisturbed for some period of time. I still found I couldn't talk to anyone about my strange troubles... There was no one whom I trusted, no one I knew who would listen to my tale as anything but the deliriums of a solitary lunatic. After all, I carried no tangible evidence that the blinking man existed outside of my own imagination, and I admit that after settling into my new abode and living there for a time without incident, I allowed my mind to seek comfort in the possibility that I had somehow invented my own torment. But my respite was a momentary denial for even in my new home I never felt entirely alone never completely alienated from a certain presence it was impossible to rid myself of the impression that I was under constant surveillance by something unseen what a curse that each iteration of a recurring nightmare should seem new to the dreamer I often awoke in the night wondering if the three knocks ringing in my ears were real or the echoes from a dream. And as I woke in the darkness, I would sense that I was the subject of a motionless observer standing silently in a corner of my room or at the foot of my bed. Sometimes when I sat up, half my mind still asleep, I would see him for an instant his pale face seeming to levitate in the dark, his imbecilic grin spread across it like a deep wound. But if I struck the bedside light, I would see nothing where I thought I'd seen him. I would be alone, clammy with cold sweat, unable to convince myself that I was really alone. Though I had never been one to immerse myself in public without reason, I now tried to spend as little time at home as possible. Still, no real incidents had occurred since I moved, yet I felt crippled by anticipation whenever I was by myself. I began to spend my days wandering aimlessly through town or by the seaside, wondering if I should move somewhere else entirely, somewhere far away. I returned from such an excursion late one afternoon and found that my key would not work in the lock of my door. For a moment I stood bewildered in the hallway of my apartment building, certain that I had locked the door with the same key earlier that day. I was about to go and see if my landlord was available when I heard something that froze me. The three knocks came from the other side of the door, from inside my apartment. Then my door began to open, and standing there on the other side, in my own home, was the blinking man. But he did not wear his usual expression. On his face was a look of pained horror, as though he were witnessing something truly terrible, or noticing at the last moment the oncoming of his own death. His head was tilted back, and his eyes, blinking madly, were huge with fear. As I stood, mutely staring, his right arm slowly elongated toward me, as if manipulated by an invisible string. Hypnotized by the strangeness of the moment, I raised my own hand and placed it into his. The long fingers like cold, clasping wires and as he gripped my hand too tightly, I watched his head turn forward and his face transform into its typical countenance. Then he began to disappear. It was not instantaneous, but torturously gradual, so that for a moment I wasn't sure whether he was fading into nothing or if I was fainting from shock. Sure enough, though, he went all the while gripping my hand and staring into me. His eyes seeming to remain after his face was finally gone, lingering on my retinas like twin flashes from a camera. Suddenly, I was alone in the hallway, hand held out, holding nothing. A piercing sound stung my ears, some ecstatic outburst, and only when I was cowered on the ground did I realize it had issued from my own mouth. For as the blinking man disappeared, so too did a part of myself. It was in that moment that my mind was shattered like glass under a heavy stone, the pieces scattered. And as I wept and wiped my face... I noticed that the hand I had used to shake the Blinking Man's was no longer my hand. The fingers were too long and too thin, the bony knuckles wanting to poke through the tight flesh. Aspects unrelated to the Blinking Man deteriorate from memory, so that my existence seems defined by his visits, his presence. He is the only portion of the puzzle that still forms a picture. Various documents in my home bear a name that I assume was once mine, but I have no memory of a mother who gave it to me. My earliest memory is of a sound. The sound of three knocks on an apartment door. Season 15 of the No Sleep Podcast starts the weekend of August 30th. Please open the door when we come knocking. You won't regret it. Much. And again, we thank you so much for being a supportive Season Pass member. This audio production is copyright 2020 by Creative Reason Media Inc. All rights reserved. The copyright for this story is held by Rory Say. No duplication or reproduction of this audio program is permitted without the written consent of Creative Reason Media Inc.